What's going on, ladies and gents? I'm Billy Donnelly, and I'm getting old quickly. Thank you for joining us here for another new episode of the podcast. And if this is your first time, then welcome. Come on along for this journey of self-reflection and introspection, as really we just keep trying to be better versions of ourselves. There's a lot of things that we could talk about this week, but I had something occur in my life, something that popped up that I wanted to bring to the table and discuss as part of this week's episode. I didn't want to do work again because just a couple weeks back, I had a big long discussion about how your work does not define you. And then I wanted to move on at least for a bit before we come back to some other ways in which my workplace, my work environment experiences with work have affected me uh, in both positive and negative ways uh, along this path. But this week I did have something come up that was related to a work experience in the past that affected me pretty deeply. And so I wanted to be able to discuss it this week on the podcast. So I'm going to give you some background and tell you a bit of a story first in order to sort of bring you up to speed. And then you'll understand where I am with what happened this week. So hold on. I gotta, I gotta find the proper date in front of me. So I have it. So this look, we're going to go back. Okay. This, this goes back to like 2012, 2013. Okay. 2012, 2013. So we're talking seven, eight years ago from now which will then once again sort of feed into where I'm at today. So seven or eight years ago, uh, I used to run a smaller website uh, called infamouskid.com for a couple of years, about three years uh, leading into that. I'd been running this very smaller regional website dealt with film and pop culture and, and things along, uh, things along those lines, because that was what I I wanted to do. That was the path that I was trying to get into. And, you know, we'll discuss a whole lot about acceptance and validation and stuff down the line, because the more I continue to think about some of this and in retrospect, reflect on a lot of it, a great deal of that feeds into why those choices were made. But I ran this site, I ran it for about three years. We took it about as far as we could possibly take it. My wife was sort of uh, leaning on me to figure out what it is that I wanted to do. This wasn't sustainable anymore. And around that time, what I decided was, and I, and I had sent out some feelers to, to try and get absorbed into a larger site, to try and come on board with a larger website covering the things that we were already covering. I would have sort of a body of work and portfolio I could put forth. I could show the benefits to bring us onto the team and so on and so forth. So in reaching out, uh, I, I hit a, a number of outlets, but the main focus at the time was a site called Ain't It Cool News, which is still in existence today. And Ain't It Cool News was run by a dude named Harry Knowles, who still runs that site today. Harry Knowles, and you can look him up, you can Google him for anybody who's not familiar with his story. You can look up the history of any cool news. We'll get to his character in a, in a few moments, but Harry Knowles and any cool news was sort of responsible for this real uptick in 
uh, film blogs and movie sites, they were really the, the, the godfather, I guess, to, to a certain degree. They started a lot, uh, in terms of like, you know, set visits and, and, and behind the scenes reports and script reviews and breaking scoops and all these things. And, and for quite some time, Ain't It Cool News and Harry Knowles were sort of like the gold standard of what all these sites were trying to do. And so having read Ain't It Cool News for, for quite some time, Ain't It Cool News was really where I wanted to try and be. And Ain't It Cool News at this point in time was sort of on a downswing too. They had had a lot of sites come up behind them and really push past what it was that they were doing. Uh, Harry Knowles had sort of been uh, comfortable and complacent in his spot, didn't really push the site to do anything further than what it had already done. And a lot of other sites were coming up, doing what they were already doing, doing it better and doing more. And so Any Cool News was sort of on the downswing. And so I thought at this point in time, that I could bring value to what Any Cool News was doing uh, because I had the drive and the work ethic to really want to get involved. And where I was down in South Florida at the time, um, we were getting a lot of access uh, to different talent, interviews coming in, so on and so forth, to allow me to, to do things that other people may not have been doing. And at this point, I still had this delusion in my head that even though I wasn't in New York or Los Angeles where everything was based that I would still have a way in to this machine and be able to carve my own path and and make my own name for myself and be able to do the things that I had wanted to do from the outside looking in so I went to work for any cool news and went to work I'm going to put that in air quotes because that's a real loose definition. Uh, I worked for Into Cool News for about a year. I never got paid a dime. I did a ton of work for them. Uh, I did interviews. I did reviews. I wrote stories every single day. Um, I put forth a lot of work and effort into trying to be the best I could be for that site. I broke a Fast and Furious story that... You, you know, that's on the record. You can go look for that uh, as far as uh, Jason Statham joining the Fast and Furious series. That's that's out there. Uh, I did reviews. I did uh, interviews. I wrote stories. All these things came about. And because the site was so organized, disorganized rather, um, and there wasn't really a lot of guidance, uh, nobody ever gave me... Uh, you know, kudos or compliments or good jobs or pats on the back or anything along the way. In fact, uh, it was it was very rare that I got any sort of uh, correspondence uh, from any of the other staff outside of, you know, basically, you know, uh, this is what I want to do and some pushback, you know, when you were sort of creeping into their territory. There were a couple of good people who were there who I still maintain some touch with. Uh, Glenn Oliver, who used to work there, he's great. Um, and I still maintain touch with him. He had a similar sort of experience, uh, in terms of it, things going sour for him there. Alan Cerny was a, a good dude who I've sort of come to terms with, uh, and, and, and found a good understanding with over time. Um, so I, I don't want you to think that the whole thing was awful. Uh, there's some good people who came out of that place who, who I maintain positive relationships with to this day. But after working there for an entire year um, and never getting paid, okay, th th that's where I put the, the work for in air quotes. I never saw a dime 
from any cool news. I was always told that they were, you know, they were having some budget dealings and budget issues and they were trying to make things work and figure things out. And as a younger dude, like my passion was just, I'm going to be able to write these things and things will sort themselves out. That was the, that was the, what I used to convince myself that all of this would be okay. Well, things will just sort themselves out because I figured, oh, you know, it's a website. These people know what they're doing. Like, we'll be fine. So I always assumed that things would just sort themselves out and I always kept pushing things down the line because for me, you know, it, even though I didn't get paid, which was bad, you know, it's bad. I did a lot of work and I get did nothing for it, nothing to show for it. And at this point, I'm married, I have a kid, I'm doing work and not getting paid for it. I'm doing it with long-term goals down the line. But, you know, let's face it. It's also a stupid thing for me to do. Okay? To work for no money. In the mindset of, well, this will all pay off down in the long run. So, I work for any cool news. Once again, air quotes. I do, I do things for any cool news for about a year. Okay? And I, I, I remember it so vividly where everything sort of came crashing down. And along the lines, like, look, I wasn't part of the club. I wasn't an original member. I hadn't been there for a long time. I'd been there for now, like, under a year. So we would sometimes have email exchanges or chats. And things that I would do would be singled out in a negative fashion. Even though there were other people who had done similar things. Um, you know, I, I would be, uh, ridiculed or I would be, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? I mean, the, the, the negative spotlight was always shown on me for the slightest thing where other people would, you know, not do anything for weeks and months on end and no one cared. So... It came down to, I, I had written a review for the movie 42, the Jackie Robinson biopic that stars Chadwick Boseman. And I, I had, I was not a fan of the film. I did not like the film. I thought it was okay, but I wasn't crazy about it. And I was heading out to go to an event and I got a phone call from Harry Knowles. Now, Harry Knowles, I had only spoken to now once previously via phone. Uh, and that was, I called him on his birthday because I thought it was the nice thing to do, you know, working for his site, in which case he proceeded to like name drop and tell me about all these people who had also called him and whatever. It was five minutes of my life. I'll never get back, but I will remember vividly that they happened. And so Harry knows calls me on the phone and proceeds to sort of lecture me about my review. Now, for anybody who's ever written a review about anything, film, a book, a product, a Yelp review, an Amazon review, you know, it's your opinion. You're relaying your experience with a product, uh, an, ex uh, an experience, a vacation, a place, a, a meal, whatever, and, and what you got from it, either positively or negatively. I mean, that's what a review is. It's you telling other people, hey... This is what I experienced with this, with this thing. And, you know, 
they can take that for what it's worth and decide whether or not they want to proceed with it themselves. So I, I, I took this phone call where I, I really got a tongue lashing about the fact that I didn't like this film. And I knew that it wasn't, you know, I, I couldn't take it back. And I explained that I was just, I was being honest and that I was glad that he liked the film because that's what he relayed. And then he sort of told me there were all sorts of problems, none of which had ever been brought to my attention or that I was made aware of. And that the rest of the team had raised issues with my work. Uh, they said I was too negative and that he would need to go back and talk to everyone to sort of get things straightened out and figured out where we would need, where we would proceed from there. So I was supposed to take a few days off and he would get back to me over the weekend uh, once they sort of devised a plan with the rest of the staff. Now, I was already set to go on a weekend trip to Disney with uh, my wife and, and my kid. And I was like, okay, like, so be it. And so I remember very vividly being uh, at the American Adventure in Epcot eating... Uh, sitting down with my wife and explaining to her the entire situation. And she was, she was sad for what was happening. And she was, you know, she was upset because she knew how much I had put into this and how very little, uh, I had gotten out of this. And she told me, she'll be very specifically that if I wanted to quit, she was fine with it. And I told her, no that I wasn't going to quit, I wasn't going to give them the satisfaction, I wasn't going to let them off the hook. If they wanted me gone, they were going to have to fire me. And I knew that the writing was on the wall, but it was a matter of principle at this point. I wouldn't just walk out and let them say, you know, well, he quit. If anything was going to happen, they were going to have to pull the trigger on getting me out of there. And so I went back, I had sent messages, I sent, I called him and left him a voicemail, all sort of things, trying to touch base and say, hey, what's going on? Like, is there an update? Do you have a, a plan? Like, what's, what's the story here? And I got zero response back. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And so Monday was the next day and I went and I did my work. I wrote several stories and I put them up and nobody said a peep. And then the middle of that day, in the afternoon, early in the afternoon, about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I got a message on my Facebook Messenger from Harry Knowles saying exactly, and I quote, because I will never forget this, You're out. Your logins have been deleted. Good luck with life. And that was it. That was the end of it. And so, you know, that's awful. And granted, I knew that the writing was on the wall. And I don't even think that I was upset at that moment. I was more amused by the absurdity of having been fired via Facebook. And there were, you know, there were, there were the talkbacks, which, you know, are basically a comment section of the site and people wanted to know what happened because I had posted on my social media that I was fired by Facebook. 
And so there were all sorts of questions. And then this is where we sort of start to move a little bit towards where we're at today. So as people started asking what had happened and the discussion started to, I won't even say there, there weren't even rumors. The discussion started happening as to why this would have happened. And you know, people had seen all my work and everything that I was doing. And there were two people who started to then take on the defense of Harry and the site. One was a guy named Steve, Steve Procopy, who went by the name of Capone, who I had sort of had some tension a little bit with because I was doing things that he also wanted to do. And then there was another guy named Eric Vespi, who went by the name of Quint, who was the managing editor, I guess, of the site. And they proceeded to drag me through the mud. I mean, this was, this was all about damaging my reputation to protect themselves. And there was the Miami New Times, because I was down in South Florida, had reached out to me to ask me what had happened to me. I told them short. Now, I took the high road because I didn't want to get into a thing. And, and I figured that it would look better for me coming out of this entire situation if I, if I just told my story and I told the truth about how things were handled and I didn't bash anybody or talk poorly upon anybody, I just said, you know, like, this is what happened. And if they wanted to take the other route, then that would look badly upon them, which would then actually even make me look better. And so the Miami New Times called me up. They, they wanted to interview me. They took my story. They wrote up an article. And they, uh, they had reached out to Andy Cool News asking for comment, you know, because they're, they're journalistically savvy. And what came back was just all sorts of lies. Um, talking about my work ethic and how it was not there, um, talking about how I didn't know anything. My knowledge was poor about what I was writing. Uh, also was saying that I had uh, relationships with publicists and were, were, were selling or trading, uh, good coverage for, for benefits. Um, yeah, it was, it was not good. And on top of the absurdity of being fired via social media, now, now you had people who were just kicking me while I was down in order to protect themselves. Doubling down on it. And for me, the damage was done. Because... After this situation and my reputation being severely damaged, and especially with the way that this site was held in high regard at this point, and how the, the in-crowd, okay, of the blogosphere or the online film spectrum media was so 
buddy-buddy with each other, uh, I, I was essentially blackballed from getting another gig. I could not find another writing gig at that point in time. I tried. I tried to latch on to a ton of other places, and even knowing and seeing how other people would leave one outlet and then um, surface at another one very quickly, I mean, I, I didn't know. No one told me but it was pretty easy to decipher from the way I was treated that all of this was a circumstance of not only my departure from me to cool, but the way that it was framed by the people there to, to really hurt me on the way out in defense of themselves to then create a problem for me from that point on. Okay, so let's move from there and all of that backstory. I know it's a lot of found out foundation to lay, but let's move from there to where we're at now, present day. Okay, so in the last couple of years, Harry Knowles ruined himself. Okay, he he had proceeded to make a joke of himself for quite some period of time, but in the last few years, a number of stories had come out about Harry Knowles and sexually harassing people via the internet, sexually harassing people at Alamo Drafthouse movie theaters, um, a lot of real awful behavior that didn't ultimately surprise me when it all wound up coming out, because given my experience with Harry Knowles, I had already known he was a scumbag. But I had only worked for that site for a year, and there were other people there who were there for far, far longer. And I really impressed upon the idea that they definitely knew what Harry had done and was up to. And especially, once again, going back to my experience... I just knew. I'd watch them defend him. I'd watch them talk about, you know, that's just Harry being Harry. And I'd watch them throw themselves into the line of fire to damage me so much in the in the name of protecting themselves, Harry and the outlet that they were a part of in order to continue their invitation to the dance, their access to all the things. And the person that always bothered me about it the most, like, look, I knew that this Steve dude was a, I'm trying to limit my language here uh, in this podcast and keep it not expletive filled. So we're going to let him off light. I knew he was a jerk. Okay. I, I can go a little bit further than that. I knew he was an a-hole. I knew it. I knew it all along. And so his conduct, yeah, it made sense. Because guess what? A-holes do a-holish things. And I didn't really expect any more from him when it came down to it and him making a statement to Miami New Times. Eric Vespi, on the other hand, presented himself as this much, much more sensible, much more reliable, better person who I trusted 
and who I respected. And ultimately, you know, I got burned. I got burned believing that. And so, no matter how many times I told people what a snake he had been to me, it didn't seem as if anybody cared or would listen because their entire reaction back to it was, well, I'm really sorry that that happened to you. You know, I know him and I, I, I don't know that he would do all of those things, you know, cause I, I like him. He's a nice guy to me. And so, you know, this, this is bothersome. It's incredibly bothersome. And so, you know, like, I've moved past the fact that Ain't It Cool happened. And that it didn't work out there. And that they they showed me who they were. And that they ultimately proved that don't meet your heroes. Not that Harry Knowles should be a hero to anybody. But, you know, that was a site that I had held up on a pedestal for quite some time. For what they had done in that space. And so... You know, Harry being Harry, which is a, a highly negative thing. You know, that makes sense. Steve slash Capone being the a-hole he is, that made sense. Quint going out of his way. Eric Vespi going out of his way to drag me through the mud. Man, that one hurt. And especially since I could not find another writing gig for a film site after that because of how I was treated on the way out, also hurt. And then having no one listen to me as I yelled into the abyss about what a bad dude everybody... What a bad dude that this guy who everybody thought was so great... It's incredibly aggravating and infuriating. And it also feels very isolating. It feels incredibly isolating to be able to tell other people, this thing happened to me, and for other people to just shrug it off or stick it under the rug or turn their head on it or turn a blind eye to it or stick their head in the sand or any sort of other euphemisms you want to use for it. Because they're going to get something out of it. It is... It is beyond upsetting... To know that you went through something... And have other people... Just think it's no big deal. And so... Just this past week, now that you got even further foundation, just this past week, I'm on social media. I'm here to, I'm out there sort of trying to get the, the podcast promoted. You know, Instagram post here, Facebook post there, Twitter post here. I'm trying to, you know, 
trying to get this thing off the ground so that more people keep listening, more people keep responding, which is, which is great. And, 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 and a, and a part of what I love about what this podcast is becoming. And so I'd gone on Twitter to tweet about a, a brand new episode being out or released and his name popped up. Eric Vespi's name popped up. And he was a part of a new podcast that was being released. And all I saw was exclamation of excitement. Tons of people just proclaiming how amazing this was and how great it was and how awesome this was going to be and congratulations and I got this this sinking feeling in myself about witnessing it because all I could think about was seven or eight years ago and how I was treated on the way out of a job that I was fired from. A job, mind you, that I never made a dime off of. And so not only did they get my blood, there's no blood. There wasn't any sweat either. No tears. They got my effort. They got my time. Time that I could have been putting forth in anything else. And then on the way out, proceeded to just kick me while I was down. And so when I saw his name come up this week, and all the celebration about his new project, it bothered me so much. And I realized... in what I was experiencing at that point in time, it, it, it was workplace PTSD. You know, I had a trauma from one point in my life and how I was dismissed from this job and then poorly treated after it. And those feelings are still there. It was, it was as if, it was as if uh, the scab, which had been trying to cover this wound for seven or eight years, had just been torn off and it was all fresh. It was all fresh right there. And I wasn't, I wasn't mad at myself for feeling that way. I was upset in the moment. I was, I was saddened in the moment because it feels horrible. It feels awful to, to, to endure that, to feel that way. And I realized that even though I have moved past what happened... In 
being removed from that site, I still harbor very negative feelings of disappointment and anger and betrayal from the aftermath. The fact that I couldn't get another job after that. The fact that my work ethic was questioned, my knowledge was questioned, all of that was put out there to sort of defend themselves and none of it was true. And I paid the price for that. And to this day, to this day, they have not. I mean, Harry Knowles paid his own price in recent years. But Eric Vespi, who is still held up as some sort of great dude and isn't, No price. And so... And so looking at all of it and, and, and feeling it this week, I once again just, just felt out there on an island. And even... Even when that happened, to try and once again raise awareness. On his behavior, it was met with silence. Because now once again, well, you know, he's got a podcast now that's going to be cool. So like, you know, whatever. And that feels the worst. It feels the worst. And look, and on top of that, just to piggyback on it, you know, and I don't know what I was expecting. I don't know that I, I wasn't expecting the, the pitchforks and the torches to come out for him. I mean, they would have been nice, but I wasn't expecting it, I guess. But something more than indifference... Something more than indifference would have been nice. And it would have made me felt heard. And understood. Because I don't feel that way right now. You want to know how I feel right now? I feel as if nobody cares that those things happened to me. Or that I was mistreated that way. And a part of it is the climate that we're in now. I mean, let's face it, I am a middle-aged white dude. And you know who cares about the traumas of middle-aged white dudes right now? Nobody. And I can't say that I blame them in the macro sense. Middle-aged white dudes are the worst. We're not, we don't have the best track record.
So I get it. That doesn't make me feel any better, though. Because on the micro sense, in the micro level, I'm still a person. And I still have feelings. And I still have gone through some stuff. And I still have my own traumas. And this was one of them. And it came up and it really bothered me so much that here I am talking about it for an entire episode because I know I'm not the only one who has trauma from a, from a work experience or how they were treated by someone. And it's easy to tell people to, you know, to let it go or to move on. It's easy to say that. And we try to do that. But we have these things that will show up in our lives that will immediately trigger those negative memories that will immediately bring us back to that headspace of what it felt like. What it felt like to go through that. And in most cases, we don't have any sort of closure from it. We don't have any part of it that we can point to and say, oh, well, you know, I got justice for this, or this person apologized, or this person made it better, or we resolved the issue. Those situations don't really usually happen. If they have, and you're lucky, congratulations. I feel great for you. I feel great that you were able to sort of close that circle and be able to move on from that part of your life. But for so many of us, yeah, the PTSD is real. And I know we take PTSD and we only sort of apply it to, you know, the military and people who have been in war situations and out there on the front lines. As we go more into coronavirus, we talk more about frontline people. Frontline workers, doctors, nurses, what they experience. But all of us, all of us have the capacity to suffer from PTSD because that's what it is. Post-traumatic stress disorder. It is dealing with the feelings, the emotions of a past trauma. Of a trauma that affected us so deeply that we can't shake it. We could try to mitigate it. We could try to minimize it, but you're never going to get rid of it. And it could be from a relationship. It could be from a workplace. It could be from a, an assault. We all have these things in our lives. Traumas we experienced that in a moment, in a moment, we can be sucked right back to. And it brings us down and we have to once again re-encounter all of those feelings that we thought we had left behind. By hearing a song or seeing a name. Because 
those details we associate with those events. And so I'm sorry for anybody else who's out there also dealing with it, but please know that you're not the only one. And I don't say that to, to minimize your trauma. I say that to let you know that you're not the only one. We, we all have things. We're all dealing with it. And we're all trying our best. But when they happen, it doesn't mean that they... It doesn't make it suck any less. So please, as these things... As these things happen, and they will. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to try and... It's okay to struggle with figuring out how to cope with it. I still have it today. Doesn't make it any easier. Just got to keep trying to do our best. All right. I'm going to leave that there. There are other, I think, deeper issues in talking about, you know, why, why these things affect me so greatly. We'll talk about those in the future because I do have a lot to say uh, and examine and explore about why, why, why these things hurt so much, why this hurts so much. Maybe that will help me find a little bit more peace with everything that's happened over time. All right, let's give you the email address. Gettingoldquicklypod at gmail.com. Uh, go ahead and send me your questions, your comments, your stories if you want. I'm going to tell you right now, I've been getting so many messages from people and I am incredibly grateful for them. Of people telling me their stories, people telling me that something we talked about resonated with them, that it connected with them, they had a similar uh, experience, they went through a similar thing, they felt something similar. Look, these are the lifeblood of this show. And to know that these things, I mean, it's not good that they happen to you, but to... Once again, to know that there are other people also experiencing them, it feeds into one of the real core beliefs of this show, which is that we're not in it alone. We're all dealing with our own stuff. And so keep sending me those emails. I appreciate and I read every single one of them. And if you want me to share them at any point in time, you give me the green light and we can talk about some stuff that you bring up in those emails. So getting old quickly pod at gmail.com. Podcast is available everywhere that the podcast basically needs to be available. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and so many more. You go ahead and you, uh, when we, when I tell you about the social media, you can follow us on any of them, of them but make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, so this way they're delivered to you, uh, every single week. We podcast launches on Monday or they drop on Monday. So make sure you don't have to go out and search for them. Have them hand delivered to you every single Monday. If you subscribe, once again, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and so many others. While you're there, rate the podcast if you can. If I've earned your five stars, I will appreciate them. They help so much in getting the word out. And if you can write down a few words, if you're game for that, write a small review. 
let people know what you dig about the podcast, what you think they'll dig about the podcast. Now, that also helps spread the word about this. And most importantly, look, just tell your friends, tell your family, let them know what you like about this. Point them in this direction. Hopefully they'll get on board and they'll become regular listeners of what we do here. On Twitter, at Getting Old Quick. Facebook, facebook.com slash getting old quickly. And you can follow me on Instagram at getting old quickly. We post things up randomly there. Look, take care of yourselves this week. Be back here next week, as usual, talking about something else. We're just trying to do the best we can. I'm Billy Donnelly. I'm getting old quickly. And remember, getting old doesn't suck. It just happens. Mm-hmm.